Hello, um, back with our roundtable group. I'm very excited. It's been a minute. Uh, and last time we talked a lot about <clears throat> waiting and we left off with an amazing poem that Natalie shared. And so we're going to start there. But first, we'll introduce everybody again. I am your host, Amanda or B. I am a 2-4 emotional generator, and I always like for everyone to tell me what they're drinking because I love to know what people are drinking. I'm actually still drinking my smoothie from this morning, which is like a massive um, heavy metal detox smoothie. It's I'm sure I'm going to have lots of blueberries in my teeth for everyone to see, but just them because you can't see my teeth. So. Um, so I'm Natalie. I'm based in London at the moment, and I'm a 6-2 emotional authority generator. And I was drinking a, uh, it's called Relax. It's one of the pucker ones. I think it's got marshmallow root and fennel. And I definitely needed needed um, a bit more relaxation from over this full moon. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> As do we all. Genevieve, you want to go next? Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Genevieve. I am a 2-4 self-projected projector. And... Right now, I'm in the middle country in Nebraska, and I'm drinking straight up water. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah or Sarah. I'm a 6-2 sacral generator, and I'm in Portland, Oregon, drinking my coffee black. Black coffee. I didn't say where I was. I'm in Texas right now in hill country, in the country, in the country of hill country. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so last time we were talking a lot about waiting and liminal spaces, one of my favorite topics. And um, at the end, Natalie brought up this amazing poem called Lost. So we're going to start there. Uh, Would you like to share it? Sure, it'd be my pleasure. This is so nice reading poetry to each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this poem is called Lost by David Wagner. Stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here and you must treat it as a powerful stranger. Must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes. Listen. It answers, I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying here. No two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. So good. You have such a good poetry reading voice. (laughs) Um, So who wants to start? What stands out to you? I think I... Every time I hear that poem, it always just 
brings me back to the present moment, which I think is the underpinning of what it's trying to do. But I love the um I mean, I love how it, it does repeat a couple of things. It says stand still and then it says stand still again, doesn't it? It's like continually reminding you. But I love the line that says, if what a tree or bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. It's just like reminding you that if you've lost touch with that simplicity, um, you know, you really are like lost and it's important to just like take a moment and breathe. Um, but it, but even in that it also makes me always makes me feel better because it kind of reminds I think it's trying to remind you that you're really not alone especially in nature um and it's also perfectly okay to to feel lost like it's perfectly natural to feel lost I think in the in the world that we're living in right now and if you can just kind of reconnect back to nature and what's simple and true then you won't feel what you think is lost a lot of the time it it definitely always I think that's what comforts me the most when I hear that poem that's what brings me the most comfort about it I love that and it made me think of something else <clears throat> so I'm in a book club right now for the creative act a way of being by Rick Rubin which is an amazing book. If no one has read it, it's one of those books that like this poem, you can let tiny pieces like roll around in your mind for a really long time. But I love that what you were sharing was about kind of, if you've lost your touch with nature, because we were talking about that a lot in book club, like he has a lot of sections about nature and the majesty of nature. And like, if we've lost that awe and wonderment in nature, but also the ways in which we want to slow down. And so I actually want to share this from that because that's what we, we, and I have it sitting right here. It says an old man in Calcutta would walk to get water from a well every day. He'd carry a clay pot and lower it by hand slowly all the way down, careful not to let it hit the sides of the well and break. Once it was full, he'd raise the pot slowly and carefully again. It was focused, time-consuming act. One day a traveler noticed the old man engaged in this difficult task. More experienced with mechanics, he showed the old man how to use a pulley system. This will allow the pot to go straight down quickly, the traveler explained, then fill with water and come back up without hitting the sides. It's much easier and the pot will be just as full with much less work. The old man looked at him and said, I think I'm gonna keep doing it the way I always have. I really have to think about each movement and there's a great deal of care that goes into doing it right. I'd imagine if I were to use the pulley, it would become easy and I might even start thinking about something else while doing it. If I put so little care and time into it, what might the water taste like? It couldn't possibly taste as good. I love that so much. And he goes on to talk about like how intention is so powerful and like without intention where, where things are just like an ornamental shell. But I've been thinking a lot, a lot, a lot recently about slowing down and I think nature is like the perfect invitation to that. Uh, I, I guess the poem just makes me think of the phrase, be here now. And the, I don't know, loss means so many different things to people. It can mean you feel like you're lacking a purpose or direction, or you don't literally feel like you're in the right place, or you don't have the right community, or like so many different ways to 
feel lost in your life, but you can always come back to right here, right now, wherever that is, and just be there. And then like, like if you can just allow that, like yourself to face the moment and face where you're actually in your life, emotionally, physically, mentally, um, it's grounding. And I, I do like the call to nature as being a tool to, to get you back to yourself and get you back to the present moment. And, you know, it, it, I feel like often we talk about nature as something that's very calm. And sometimes I feel like nature is a wild storm also. And facing that part of nature, facing the parts of ourselves that are a, a wild storm that sometimes need to be recognized as that. Uh, I think that's that's grounding also. So yay, yay to the call to nature. I'm really excited that spring is here. I'm sitting on my front porch looking at my Japanese maple tree that is starting to grow buds, which is pretty exciting. So yay nature. <laughs> yay nature. Mm, thanks for sharing that because I'm from Portland, but I'm missing Portland. And I know that all the spring, springy things are springing up there. So I love hearing that you're sitting there looking at. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like what y'all said kind of like tied together all of the things that I've been thinking because I went back in um, after our last talk, which I think was like three months ago, I had listened to the poem and wrote in my journal about some thoughts I had about it. And then I listened to it again right before we were going to talk today and had some other thoughts. And it was interesting to go back and compare the difference because I'm in quite a different place <laughs> in my life and physically in the country and just, um, and so seeing how that difference kind of infiltrated the reflections that the poem was offering me was kind of kind of beautiful because it's like one it seems like one of those poems and same with the story that you shared Amanda that it's like so vast and expansive and it can speak to you in so many ways just like how you were talking Sarah about how just the definition of loss can be so many things and yeah when I first was reflecting about it I was thinking kind of literally about nature and for me nature is just like hearing his poem it feels so like oh I feel so seen like somebody who feels about nature how I feel and it's so easy for me to drop into that space when I'm in nature and so for for me the poem is kind of a reminder that um, nature can kind of be like a, a metaphor or a representation of the whole of the universe or all the things or the other parts of my life too and to take the ease and grace that I have there in nature with feeling like one with everything and remember to like bring that out into the other daily life mundane world feels like I can't have that reminder enough in my life so to have it presented in such a graceful beautifully worded thoughtful attentive way I loved it that was my first introduction to it so thanks for that Natalie yeah everyone yeah everyone that hears it it 
like you said, Sarah, like it resonates in different ways, but I just, I love its simplicity and it's not, it's not long. <laughs> it's very short and to the point, but like you said, it's really gracefully, beautifully written. Um, but I'm, yeah, I just, I do think it, it also makes me think about the times when I, in my life, when I've been really scared to slow down or like the story you're reading, Amanda, like kind of scared to, to be more intentional about things. Um, and I, I feel like, yeah, I really resonate with what you said, Sarah, about, you know, nature is a beautiful thing, but it's also very wild and it can get out of control. Like we don't really have control over it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting because you can look at it from so many different angles, can't you? There, there's a lot about slowing down and just listening that I think a lot of people are still very scared of. I know I've I have phases when I'm still scared to just stop. Um yeah. And just take a pause. That's that can sometimes feel quite scary for me. I think I've been taking a pause over the past couple of weeks. I know we've been talking about the full moon. And so I guess the moon has been becoming a full for the past couple of weeks and how that's been affecting each of us. Um, I've been remodeling my home and while taking up some of my kitchen floor, it got really dusty and I ended up getting sick for about a week, but I just got the report back that there's no asbestos in my floor and I can, I can continue to take it up, but I'm going to have to have a new plan of attack on what I'm doing because I can't put myself out for a week every time I chip up a square foot of tile. So anyway, like I've been forced to go from like running really hot and heavy on my home remodel and like working basically a full day of work on very physical stuff like you know moving equipment around um just tearing things up you know just it, it's very physical labor and as much fun as it is to watch like home remodel shows on tv and see the wild transformations that people do when you're a crew of one person it's like you're, you're doing everything and you have to take up all the stuff and you know you've got to patch all the walls and it's it's not glamorous work sometimes so like having to deliberately slow down and listen to my body that says we need to rest you're running too hard you can't breathe <laughs> you know and just reset my cycle I guess let my body tell me what my cycle is instead of my mind trying to drive my action and my productivity which is, I think for me, part of what this year is about, like I left my job last fall, I've been out of work for six months and I'm kind of completing the next six months, still out of work. And I'm financing that with my, uh, my 401k from my career in corporate for, for, for a decade. And that's like a strange midlife shift and direction change for me. And it's really requiring me to slow down and take a look at, like, how did I get to where I'm at now? What are my energy levels telling me? What am I actually interested in spending my time and energy on? Because, you know, we, we can talk about resources all we want, and we can talk about money, and we can talk about, you know, whatever it is that makes each of us feel rich in our lives. And for me, having faced watching uh, several of my family members die from tragic circumstances and things like that, I've confronted some of the existential questions a little bit earlier in life than I think some people do. And for me, it's about how am I spending my time? How am I spending my energy? Am I enjoying myself? Do 
I feel like I'm in a community of friends and people who understand me and accept me and are building things together with me? Like that's, that's what I'm trying to work toward. And this year is about really looking myself in the mirror, getting my nest clean and organized over here and how I want it to be so that I feel supported and secure. And then just like going into the next phase of my life, I'm like 40 now, I've got 40 more years, I'm going to say. Uh, what do I want to do with the rest of that time? Because that, that's all I have left is my time and how I spend each day. So I'm trying to be here now. It's a reminder, be here now. Yeah. Harry just did another mic drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love all of that. I do too. I think that um like what you were first saying, Sarah, about just like the questions you're asked you have asked yourself in uh the introspection. I guess I'm just coming at it from the lens of what I've been focusing on, which is like trust self-trust and how I want that to be my foundation and even like I felt like anywhere you're at you kind of have a different lens for the poem but at the end when there uh he says something about the the forest stating how the forest has built everything and it's here for you and you just need to stand still and let it find you or something like that um I feel like that's that's like the good stuff for me right now. And so to me, that felt like an invitation to almost like view the, the poem as talking about your own intuition and how if you just stand still and listen, you can hear it and you've put all of this your whole life, your first 40 years or wherever you're at of effort into it and you've built it and it's there for you and you can like revisit it anytime. And yeah, I mean, just getting to know you all, it sounds like we're all kind of in a space of like checking in with that and um, learning how to be in deeper relationship with that. And I think that that's for me, like feels like such the juicy good stuff that is making all of our experiences so much richer. And yeah, it makes it makes things feel exciting to me, even though, like you said, Sarah, a lot of it is not glamorous and a lot of hard work and lots of dirty, gritty stuff in there too. It's just like all part of the experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the important things to ask too is like, why, why we as a society view being lost as a bad thing? you know, lost, like it kind of immediately has like this negative connotation and really it's being in a space of infinite potential and possibility because you're in the space of the unknown rather than like, you know, I think a lot of people in life like make choices that feel like they're set in stone and then there really is no capacity or space to get lost and like see where that takes you. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Totally. I agree with that. I mean, even the the link that Natalie shared for the poem, the man, I forgot his name, but the one who was narrating it and then kind of giving a um, his own reflections, he spoke a little bit about how someone had said to him once in the capacity of, of faith, how he sounded a little lost and, and how... 
um, in his mind, he was like, yeah, I don't think I want to be found in this. Like I always want to be sort of feeling it out and inquiring and never really set in a way. And that really resonated with me because I feel like I'm always saying, I want to be learning until I die. Like I don't ever want to stop learning or I would feel almost like that for me would kind of be like, then there's no more reason to live almost. And so I don't know that I always um, associate it with the word lost, like the sense of that, but then to look at it from that perspective, it feels kind of nice to expand my perspective of what learning is. It can be uncomfortable and like have that lost sense. And I think it's, yeah, a really powerful force that can open up a lot, crack us open in a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah, I love that what you said about it being something that can kind of crack us open, like you said as well, Amanda, like expanding you to a whole new set of possibilities your mind didn't even know about. Um, somebody, a friend sent me these questions from this this guy that they follow online and he was saying a lot of things like um what if what if um it's not about like where we're all headed especially collectively what if it's not about like getting into alignment anymore what if it's about like literally living in the question what if I don't know what I want um or what if it's about you know we're moving to a time where rather than us like doing the work like like things are kind of moving through us and things just start to become automatic and I think maybe like you do need to have a period of like you were saying Genevieve like feeling feeling your way through it and learning unlike you said maybe always learning um because if you become too rigid and you're like right this is what I want I'm going to go after that and, and do this then you kind of box yourself in and I know I've definitely like labeled myself as wrong or bad or there's something wrong with me for having periods of time when I didn't know what I wanted or let other people kind of cement that story that I was carrying around because they'll be like oh you still you still don't really know like what you want do you still don't really know what you're doing um but really obviously they were just like reflecting me but yeah like you're saying it, it, there's nothing there's nothing bad about that um and I really like the, the idea that we can just like start living into those questions. Like what if it's okay if you don't, you still don't know what you want? What if knowing what you want wasn't what you were put here for? Um, and I think it kind of starts to mess with your mind, like your thinking mind, but I think that's exactly its purpose. That feeling of like being in a, playing in the unknown. I think that's exactly what it's supposed to do. But I think it can feel quite scary, can't it? When there's so much conditioning um that tells us that we need to know all the time well and I think that whole quote-unquote knowing is kind of the biggest part of the problem it's like when we when we think that we know one we're not leaving the possibility open that what source or God or the universe or whatever you believe in has in store for us might be better than what we think that we want, what we think that we know is right for us or what we, you know, and also when we know something, it inherently takes away other possibilities. It's like, I know I'm supposed to do this or I'm supposed to be this. And then that takes away the possibility to 
to be something that you don't even know that you want to be, you know, or do something that you don't even know that you want to do. But I tend to think alignment, I guess maybe it's semantics. Like, I think there's a lot of people right now that are kind of like, oh, it's not, you know, it's not channeling. It's a transmission now. Or like people are like kind of picking words and, and compartmentalizing them in a, in a strange way, I feel like. But for me, alignment is alignment with my soul, with my like soul's truth. And when I'm in alignment with that and my intuition, then life does flow. You know, it's not about me like figuring out how to align with the quote unquote correct choice. But like when I'm in alignment with my gut, with my spirit, with my intuition, with who I am beneath all of the conditioning that society has placed on me, then it does move through me. I am in passenger consciousness, which is kind of the point of human design in a lot of ways. Like we're not meant to be like driving the bus with our minds, you know, (laughs) when we're in alignment, life presents its opportunities to us. And we like feel into what feels in resonance, I guess. It's kind of how I see it. Yeah, it's a strange paradox because I think it's part of human nature to want to label things and put them in boxes and answer questions. And we have so much insecurity around not knowing. And to the point that imposter syndrome is a thing that pretty much everybody has. And part of growing up is recognizing that everybody has imposter syndrome. Nobody has it figured out. And you know, you can make plans and directions for your life and then life sends you on a different course. Excuse me. I can't think of how many different times I've made a decision in my life, like going to law school. I never practiced law. I went to law school and then I went to corporate and, and worked law adjacent for a long time. And prior to law school, I had worked in the legal industry, but I was an admin. And it's like, I, I'm thinking that I'm setting myself on this life trajectory, but life sends you in a different direction sometimes and you can struggle against that current or you can let go and just be open to the possibilities that will come your way the other thing that this conversation makes me think of which is a complete tangent but I've you know I come from a pre-internet dating era but now we're in the internet dating era and it's common for people to use apps to try to find matches for for themselves in in real life. And so, you know, you're going through the apps and it's kind of this, there's always something else out there that might be better, you know? And maybe there's this tendency to not want to just accept the things that might be available in our sphere of our life because we are enticed by the search for the next golden egg that might be out there and like the ability to swipe the next page. So couple couple disparate thoughts that came together with this conversation but I think it's interesting because I think a lot of spirituality is about teaching us to let go and just be here now and that means you know facing your reality of the moment the power that you have is to choose how you can adjust your perspective on what you're experiencing but you can't really choose what's going to come at you you can set your sail, you can look at yourself in the mirror and honestly reflect on what you like and what you feel and what you're thinking. And what does that actually mean for you? Because our thoughts and our feelings are not us. They are part of our experience. And all that you are is really the awareness of what you're watching. It's that passenger consciousness that we talked about. 
Anyone have thoughts on that? I had one other big question and I, I honestly, like, like, uh, I think Genevieve said, we talked, we talked about doing this like three months ago. So I have notes in my phone and I honestly don't remember like what notes were my own thoughts and what notes were like, I list, uh, Genevieve mentioned poetry unbound. If you haven't listened to his, um, interpretation of it, you should check that out. Um, and so I don't even know if I made this note because he said it or because it was something that I thought about, but, um, I think he said it, which was not letting your feeling about the feeling be the thing that you're focusing on. Does anyone remember if that's something that he said? Like, are we focused on the space of just kind of being in the unknown? Or are we so focused on being lost and like what that means? You know, can we like be in the space without um, letting our feeling about being lost to get in the way of like the openness that we want to have in the spaces of the unknown. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. This you're all making me think this is like, I don't want to be selfish and be asking for advice here, but (laughs) I feel like what I've been working on a lot lately is like delving into the manifestation world and the possibilities and just kind of listening into how people talk about it and different like views about what people even think that is and I think I I'm I'm like at this point where I'm just like I don't even know it I almost feel like um it can be a little repelling for me but just because it's seems like such as vast I don't know but there's this one side that feels like what y'all were saying basically of like if I already know what I want and what to ask for I feel like I'm limiting myself and then to be just in this space of like letting just being and letting whatever comes come then am I really like manifesting I don't know it feels like a whole confusing world to me but I do think I, in response to you, Amanda, I do think that that was something he said because I, or was talking about, because I just re-listened to it yesterday. And I thought about that a lot because he also asked a question. What did he ask? Um, He said he uses this poem with his clients and groups that he works with. And he often asks them what to think about, what are you like when you're lost? And so I thought about that and I thought about in these acute moments of uh, like, if I'm lost in the forest, like those kinds of like, it's like threatening your survival and it can be very visceral and there's some fear there. And so it it gets, when I I can think um, very specifically about the feeling that I've had in those moments because it's so at the front and, and, I feel like, yeah, in those moments, you are really have a lot of clarity, but then in moments where I'm interpreting lost as just being like, am I on the right path or just kind of directionless kind of feeling, those kinds of moments of lostness are much more in the mental realm for me. And so it's almost like I can't even remember or wouldn't be able to to describe how I feel because... I'm like murky and I'm in all in my head and I'm not actually like having the feeling sensations, like not tapped into that so much. Um, 
which I guess thinking about how you just posed the question, Amanda, it's like sometimes if you're focused on the feeling too much, yeah, it can be a little distracting because you're not actually paying attention to what's happening in the moment. You're just kind of feeling the feels. Yeah, you're like not, you're not present. You're in the pain point. You yeah. know, you're in like the pain point of how you're feeling rather than just in the feeling. And I want to say two things about something that you said, and then I'll pass it on. I think with manifestation, we can have a clear vision of what we want to create, but it comes down to the core feelings that we want to have. You know, what are the core, what's the core vibe of the vision that we have for ourselves? But I make very specific manifestations, but I always hold space for something better than I know is possible. I always hold space for infinite possibilities. I always write that down. Any manifestation list I ever make, I always write this or something better, this or something like, because I don't know if that's the right thing. And I think sometimes we can limit ourselves by being too specific, you know? Um, But when we hold space for like, this or something better in my highest good and light, then we're opening ourselves up to something, something better than that. So I think that's really important, but I do think it's when it comes to manifestation, like crafting a really juicy vision that like gets us excited to get out of bed every morning is what helps us move forward towards, towards that vision, you know, towards cultivating those feelings. And the other thing you said about lost in the forest, I experienced that the first time in Sedona, I was hiking with Harold on my back in a backpack. I was running out of water. It was very hot. I had like stopped and I was like, oh, I can't find the hike I'm going to do. There's a bunch of mountain bikers on this one. I'll just take this one, (laughs) you know? And I saw one person the whole hike and he was like, I said something like, I saw a sign for bears. And he was like, oh, you don't really have to worry about bears. There's mostly just mountain lions out here. And I was like, okay. Um, So I keep walking. I think it's no problem. Somehow I end up on another trail. Like I'm on, I'm in another trail system on the other side. So I had to turn around and start going back the other direction. My phone is dying. And I was like, oh my God, this is this it. Like I'm going to die in the middle of the desert in Sedona. And you start to get, you know, you're like trying to stay calm. I am directionally challenged AF. It's hilarious that I do Astro Carto because I'm always like, I have no idea. I am the worst person. Actually, Sarah and I hiked in Sedona together. And if we didn't see other people's flashlights coming down from Cathedral Rock in the dark, there's a good chance we would have spent our night on the side of Cathedral Rock somewhere. I'm just, I'm terrible at it. Um, But those feelings that you're trying to manage, they come up so swiftly and viscerally, like you said. And I think when we're lost around life choices, that energy gets kind of disparate and spread out. And it just becomes like this kind of chronic nervous system dysregulation of like, you know, they talk all the time about like how we used to have the fight, flight, freeze response, or mostly the fight, flight response to like run from a mountain lion, you know, but like our bodies are still like in that energy all of the time because of the society that we live in. And I think that energy in itself contributes a lot of times to like the lack of clarity that we feel because there's just like this underlying constant nervous system dysregulation that's keeping us from like being totally present with our bodies because we're like kind of in, in the fear or in the story of being lost that like is somehow negative. 
Yeah. And to bring that to human design or gene keys more specifically that like when we're all in that fight flight response, we're in the shadow frequencies of whatever gates we're experiencing. And there, you know, it's all neutral. There's nothing wrong with shadow, but it just means we're in survival. And the shadow either is reactive or it's repressive. So you're either over responding to the stimulus or you're completely suppressing any response to the stimulus whatsoever. And then it gets bottled up. And that's, I, I do both of those things. What do y'all do? Are you repressors or reactive? I'm like probably 80% repressor. <laughs> like I have to really work to get it out of my body. I have to like, even though it's something I've been aware of for probably two decades, it's still a pattern that's like deeply woven. And I have to like, be like, I'm going to put a song on and dance, or I'm going to roll my body around on the floor. Or I'm going to like do something to move this energy. Cause my default is definitely to just like move on with my day, you know, not to like process whatever the feeling is in the moment and my open root center is like, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. <laughs> and like, you'll get out from under this stressful feeling that you're feeling if you just finish this thing, you know? Um, so yeah, for me, I'm definitely like in the repress. And then like, I repress enough with my emotional wave that that explodes at some point, usually, you know, in some kind of reactive way, but it's like a volcanic eruption from like stepping too much down and not dealing with it in the moment. What about y'all? I'm similar, more, yeah, more of a repressor. Yeah. And um, I think I, I used to be like really, really, really repressed. And like, like you were saying, just keep going, keep going. And now I kind of wave a bit more fluidly, but I tend to like repress and be busy or repress and go super super like unhealthily into the feminine and just be like 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 nothing gets done and and so I have to yeah I have to kind of do rebalancing things to kind of bring me back to neutrality and then I can make my decision but yeah like you said that's that's part of the wave isn't it mm -hmm. still mm -hmm. working on it it's a journey isn't it <laughs> it sure is what about you Dee? total repressor <laughs> every time I, I read the gene cues and I'll read all about it and then it talks about the in the shadow energy and it lists the repressive or the um reactive form I'm like oh yeah repressive um, <laughs> and just you know I feel like all of the de deconditioning and the process like you just said Natalie it's like ongoing and forever and you just get deeper and deeper and can get more and more subtle with it but just yesterday I was thinking how when I'm more in the shadow aspects of things like I literally feel more dense in my body like I was I I've made that connection before in other ways but I it just like sealed in my mind of like oh when I'm in my like shadow or kind of repressing things I literally I don't know if it's like physically happening but it feels like I'm literally more dense and then I can think back to other times where I move into the lightness feeling and it felt I'm feeling a little dense at the moment so it doesn't always feel good to realize that that's where you're at but it does feel good yeah. to know that like it's just a wave and I'm, I will go back to the lighter um place and can move towards it and have something to move towards if I want to but I do think that 
you know, it's all vibration and those, those aspects do have like a more solid vibration, like a low, slower wave. And I think that it's very much like pervasive, like it pervades our bodies. It pervades all of our, like our physical body, our emotional body, our energetic. And it's just like, I don't know. I was just getting blown away by the way <laughs> I was in the the wave of everything being all interconnected and that representing this represents everything. And that was the kind of day I was having yesterday. <laughs> well, my other main question, I guess, was um well, I love the idea of when he says, um, let me make sure I'm quoting it right, that the forest knows where you are uh, and you have to let it find you. And, you know, we are all, I mean, anyone is, we're all magnetic beings. We all, the, the nature's the laws of nature are our attraction. So we're all magnetizing things to us. But I think oftentimes when we feel lost that we can get into spaces of grasping or attachment or feeling like we have to figure it out with our minds rather than allowing, you know, it, it's kind of reminds me of that quote. Is it Rumi that talks about love and not seeking love, but seeking to break down all of your barriers to love? Like that's kind of what it made me think of. Like, you know, I think we talked some on the last podcast about like when I'm feeling lost or when folks are feeling lost, like my first kind of go-to is always to like clean up your own side of the street and like work on your vibration and your energy so that you can be an attractor so that the forest can find you, you know, so that what you're looking for, what you're seeking can can come in, you know, it's already here, but can like come, come to fruition. What are y'all's thoughts? Yeah. yeah. I'm always I needing think. a reminder of that, like over and over and over. And, um, also the work for me is like, not just having that be reminded of, in my mind like not just have it sit in my mental space but to let my body hear it as a reminder let my energy feel it as a reminder and take it in and move it around into all of those spaces to really be able to mm, like on the vibrational level become the vibration so you can be the magnet of what you want and it's like um you know, I go through the wave all the time of feeling like that's so exciting that that's something I get to work on for the rest of my life. And then sometimes like, oh man, I'm going to have to work on that for the rest of my life. <laughs> the forest knowing where we are just reminds me that the universe is holding each of us and you're, you're always found in that sense, like that you're part of something that's bigger than just you. And when I feel the most lost, I think it's that I get stuck in my own experience and I don't lift my perspective out to consider what else is going on around me. And, you know, sometimes the ways that I can pull myself out of my own existential dread and my own 
suffering in my life is to look at the bigger picture and realize that my experience is very small compared to the cosmos. Like sometimes it's, it's thinking about space and the universe that has to do it for me. I know like some, for some people it's looking at global affairs and looking at how we're each part of a bigger picture. Like we can all get lost in our own lives, but we're each part of the planet earth and the human experience on planet earth that transcends even country lines and flags on maps, which are fake, frankly, like maps are just an artificial way to draw up boundaries on the land. And we all live on this land and we all as humans who have a birthright on planet earth, like have a right to be here and coexist with one another. So sometimes being lost is like, not recognizing that you have that bigger role in a bigger picture and that can be something that that makes you feel sound it makes you feel like your struggles aren't as big of a deal at least it does that for me i don't know how you all pull yourself out of the muck well that's a good question because well for me too it's the cosmos like i'm like i'm a tiny grain of sand like i mean it's just like it's so vast and that's definitely where i turn to and the existential dread the spaces as well. Um, but this this particular year, cosmically, is one where existential crisis will be high. And like we really need anchors and touchstones and talismans to come back to when we are feeling lost, when we are getting into that space. So I'd love to hear how, how some of you deal with that. For me, it's the earth. <laughs> Just like touching the earth, thinking about the earth, feeling the earth energy, just like if I can, that's like my comfort zone is to drop into how I know I am just one with the earth in all the ways. It feels very natural for me. I like sometimes the, how you and Sarah go out to the cosmos that can, um, that is kind of like more of a, I don't know, like a mental tool for me. I can, that helps me kind of just like in the mental realm. But as far as all of the other stuff, I need to go to the earth. <laughs> yeah, I love the earth too. That's a big one. And yeah. I think being of service is a big touchstone for me as well. Like when I feel like, what am I doing? I kind of come back to what I put out in the world and, and how I treat people. And like, yes, like the bigger idea of what I put out in the world for work, but also just like human connection in the small ways as well. Um, and yeah, getting my body on the earth is, is grounding me when I'm like lost in my mind, you know, and moving my body and just like the miraculousness of my body, which I constantly have to come back to as well. What about you, Natalie? Yeah, I resonate so much with what you've all just been saying. Um, but yeah, the earth as well, I think. And standing with my back on a, against a tree is just always, yeah, <laughs> so I did that earlier on today, it was so nice. Um, and anything to do with my hands like if I start doing something with my hands it tends to switch off all the mental stories that like you're saying Sarah like the kind of 
suffering that we've got like churning away in there sometimes um yeah and just also like really practicing is something that I found really difficult and I'm sure I think anyone with the emotional generator generator wave um has probably been on a journey and has found it difficult but practicing like feeling my feelings all the way through (laughs) not like cutting them off and then like you were saying earlier just like trying to go on and be busy and doing something else because then you start to obviously see exactly like you're saying that they're just feelings um they do have a start and an end and they're not you and they're not who you are um that's been extremely challenging for me um but I think yeah just the thing that's really helped with that is titration and just doing that slowly and learning to just sit and be present and like you you all said like if you have to do that outside or wherever you have to do it great but not like practicing not cutting myself off um because then you never really just empty out so yeah well the last piece that really stood out to me was treating it as a powerful stranger which I thought was extremely poignant because I think I thought about it from a lot of different places. Like I thought about it from like just the need to shift perspective and like look at things from different angles. Um, But even from like my travel journey and feeling like or being in places where I feel like maybe it's not the most aligned place for me to be, like how can I get out of that space and, and look at it as a stranger, like look at it as something to be discovered, like approach it with childlike wonder and, um, curiosity. Yeah. That felt powerful to me also because there's something I was just reading about this. I can't remember what it's called, but like the stranger effect where people tend to feel like they can be more open with a stranger than like their closest people sometimes because of the power of anonymity maybe or something and um yeah so I mostly just agree that it, it can bring you to like this fully like in wonder and awe place where it feels like like a lot of your your patterns are maybe like quieter and the potential just feels so electric and um, I don't know, sometimes when I come into a space with a stranger, like I can feel in my body like this more openness of just like, oh, I have to meet this with complete curiosity because I don't already know anything. There's nothing I can assume that I know about this person where when you meet with someone that you know, no matter how much you love them or hold them dear there's always like these preconceived notions of what you already know or think you know about them anytime you meet and so the power of that stranger energy is just like in whatever way you want to consider it whether it's like yeah being in a foreign country or literally meeting a person who's a stranger or a a, a place within yourself that you have haven't discovered yet it's so powerful That reminds me of a social media site that I started following on Instagram. I don't really remember their handle name, but they go up to people and ask, what is your secret? And strangers will 
divulge their deepest secret to this person just because they come up and ask and maybe it's that stranger effect but you know I think about that like part of my like I know a few of us have an emotional wave but I'm an open solar plexus that doesn't mean I don't experience emotional emotions I experience them quite dramatically but um like my willingness to be open and confront my emotions sometimes I'm I'm willing to just divulge the deepest darkest things to strangers on the street but I don't want to be open with people who are close to me because I fear that people who really matter to me are going to reject me I don't have the same stakes with a stranger I can put it all out there and you know if they walk away from me it's no big loss for me because they're not really a real person in my life from from a point of view you know I don't know who they are but there's like a a safety from that distance that lack of intimacy that you really have with a person and so confronting our own truths confronting our emotional experiences and being vulnerable about those experiences with people who are close to us takes a lot of courage and strength and maybe That brings me back to Brene Brown's uh, Atlas of the Heart, which she wrote a book called Atlas of the Heart, but there's actually an HBO uh, like documentary series where she kind of walks through the book in front of a live audience. And for me, it's, it's the, the most insightful emotional intelligence work that I've had exposure to in my adulthood. Um, Brene Brown is like a research uh, it's like, uh, you know, she does research around emotions and, and is well known for her work around shame. But it feels like that movie uh, Inside Out by Pixar, where they're kind of diving into each of the emotions at a very nuanced level. Like you take emotions down to a very fine, like just like taking colors, blue, red, yellow, and like going down to like all the little subcolors that you could have. That's the treatment that you get on emotions through the, her work. So I I probably can't give enough of a shout out to trying to expose yourself to that work if you can. I know Brene Brown isn't for everyone, but I find her really accessible for myself. Me too. Love me some Brene Brown. Um, I've never heard of that book, actually. That sounds really interesting, Sarah. I I know some of her books, but I haven't heard of that one, so I'll have to check it out. Thank you. I think it's her most recent one, like maybe the past couple of years. Okay. Cool. Well, does anyone else have anything that stood out to them or or last thoughts that you want to share um the person I did write down one other thing the person who was narrating it I wish I remember his name it was like Padre Gotuma or something um the lost poem he was talking about attention and I just think that that's such the core fundamental thing in all of these things that we talk about is just paying attention and giving attention and sharing attention and I have a teacher who often says I hear her say it a lot um, attention is the first and last act of love and anytime it pops up in my mind it just feels so just washes over me and it's like yeah I just I don't have to do anything else except pay attention and that sort of like takes care of a whole big chunk of it (laughs) and so I really liked that he pointed that out because I think that's part of what makes the poem feel so grounding yeah and I feel like that's what we're doing here is like we're paying attention we're like coming together to give attention to these things and to each other and the conversation and the energy of it all 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge one. Um, because it's kind of, it kind of goes back to like the idea of being lost, like, and the perspective around being lost or the unknown, like, are we putting our attention on the problem, on it as a problem or on it as potential or possibility or a project? <laughs> like, there's a great, there's a guy, Vishen Lakiani, who always talks about things like, is your attention on the, on it as a problem or a project? Like, is this a thing that I'm like looking at as something that I have agency in and something that um, has infinite potential. And I think there is infinite potential and possibility in the unknown when we view it that way, rather than viewing it as, as a, as a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you guys for joining me again. Thank you. Um, round table, round three. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I love listening love to all of you. I always learn so much on these on these roundtables. So thank you guys. Yeah, me too. Likewise.